Welcome, Fellowship of the BDL, to Episode 7 of The Stinger. In this show, we'll be going over Rounds 1, 2, and 3 of the BDL playoffs. We'll be looking at how some teams won and maybe how some teams lost. And in the end, we'll be crowning a new champion. So strap yourselves in for this exciting episode. In a previous episode, I had predicted Round 1 results where the Rockets... The Double Downs, the Cramps, and the Beers were all going to be winners in round one. Three of those four predictions came true, with only the Beers falling to the Mounties due to a tiebreakers. So let's look at each of those matchups and go into a little bit of depth of how each team performed. Let's start with the matchup between the Rockets and the Damage, where I predicted that the Rockets would beat the Damage 8-2, and the damage would take the categories of home runs and Ks. Unfortunately, none of that came true. The Rockets won, but by 6-4, with damage taking the batting average, RBI, runs, and ERA categories. Take three of the five hitting categories from the Rockets is quite a feat, and the damage needed everything he could do possible to, to do that. For those categories, batting average, home runs, RBIs, and runs, the damage actually outperformed his average, his weekly average results. The Rockets, again, for the most part, are always very steady in all the categories. So he was about average in all those hitting categories, and he was just below average in the ERA and WHIP. One other thing I like to do is look at the at-bats between the two teams and innings pitch between the two teams and see if there was any major differences. For at-bats, the damage had 313 at-bats. This is including walks, and the Rockets had 296. So the damage actually has 17 more at-bats than the Rockets. That's not really that big of a difference. For innings pitch, the damage had 56.1 innings, and the Rockets had 66.2 innings. So the Rockets had the advantage there of about 10 extra innings, 10.1 extra innings. And then with the innings, I also like to look at how many Ks they got for those innings. So of the 56.1 innings that the damage got, he had 64 Ks, which is good because you want to be above, you want that ratio to be above, you want more Ks than you want innings pitched. So that's the number that I usually look at is how many Ks am I getting per innings? Am I getting more or less per the innings? And if I'm trending higher, that's where I want to be. If I'm average, it's okay. But if I start going below that, that's not really what I want. For the Rockets, again, he had 66.2 innings, and he had 77 Ks. So, again, both teams are trending up uh, in that category. So not really a big advantage between innings pitched or at-bats between the two. And that's probably also why the, the – matchup was so close so now let's take a look at some of the players that might have hurt him or might have helped each of these teams taking a look at the damages team pretty much all of his offensive players were were doing extremely well a couple highlights you got salvador perez the catcher hit 273 with three home runs eight rbis and six runs dj lemayhu 360 batting average three rbis six runs Justin Turner was 348, only had one RBI, had five runs, had a stolen base. Trevor Story hit 292, 
He had two home runs, five RBIs, five runs, and a stolen base. Big surprise here. We got Jonathan Villar. He had 423. He had two home runs, four RBIs, six runs, and a stolen base. Again, almost everybody had a home run and, and multiple RBIs. And really, out of his offense, there was only two guys I see who really hurt his team. Uh, that was Luke Voigt. Uh, he was 0 for 5. He only had one run. And also Bradley Zimmerman. He was hit 190, had two RBIs, three runs. So those are your two weak spots on your offense. Pretty much everybody else on your offense side probably overperformed what they normally did. On your pitching side, again, it was pretty pretty consistent with most of your pitchers. A couple bad ones. Uh, Smiley had only 4.2 innings, only five strikeouts. ZRA was over nine. His whip was close to two. Barlow, 0.2 innings. He had an ERA of 27, a whip of 4.5. Blackburn, 3.2 innings, only three Ks. ERA over nine, whip almost 2.5. So besides those three, I think everybody else did fairly well. And the only thing that I saw that you kind of missed out on, it looks like you missed a start from Adrian Hauser, who actually would have been a good start. He had nine innings, seven Ks, uh, no earned runs, and a whip of .333. And he actually had a W. Although I don't think that that would have helped any with that extra start, but it would have made it just a little bit closer. For the Rockets side, again, most of his offense, all were very consistent. The only thing I noticed uh, we had about four players, uh, Paul Goldsmith. He had a bat- uh, batting average of 211. Chisholm Holm had a batting average of 167. Josh Donaldson had a batting average of 217. And George Springer had a batting average of 217. So that's probably why your batting average was pretty bad. You had those four bring down your batting average. But everybody else at least contributed in, in almost every category. And then, of course, on your pitching side, most of your pitchers did uh, okay. Of course, your ERA and WHIP were a lot higher than normal. Peter Fairbanks again, he had an ERA of 4.5 and a WHIP of 2.5. Again, I'm not sure why why we need Peter Fairbanks on your team. He's just a, a middle reliever. I know at one point we thought he was going to be a closer, but but he's not. Giolito, Lucas Giolito didn't really do all that well. He only pitched 4.1 innings, had an ERA of over four and a WHIP of 1.6. Hendricks uh, had a horrible outing, 4.1 innings, only 1K, uh, ERA over 12, whip at 1.8. Chris Archer, again, another horrible start. Not sure why Chris Archer is even still owned. He had uh, five innings, only 3Ks, ERA over 7, whip around 1.6. Marcus Stroman, five innings, 2Ks. ERA over 5, whip at 1.8. Louis Trevino, uh, 0.2 innings, 1K, ERA at 54, whip at 4.5. So that's why your whip and ERA were way higher than normal. Um, and I think you just had multiple bad uh, outings from a lot of these pitchers. A couple of them I can see you should probably be dropping or looking to drop and, and filling in with some better players. But who am I to say who's who you should have and not say, right? You've got probably one of the better teams. All in all, I don't think most of you, uh, either one of you guys had anybody that wasn't contributing to your teams. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff left on your benches, so you pretty much utilized everybody you had, which is a good sign also. 
Okay, let's move on to the next matchup where we have the Boston Double Downs going against the Gotham City Generals. A couple weeks ago, I predicted this matchup where the Double Downs would be winning 6-3-1 against the Generals, where the Generals would be taking batting average, stolen bases, and whip, and tying in runs. I came somewhat close. Um, I got the batting average correct and the whip correct. And instead of tying in runs, I uh, they actually he actually won that category, so I'll give myself half credit there. And then the other category that the generals took was the ERA category. Looking at their number of bats, the double downs had 304 to the generals 259, so that's 45 bat advantage to the double downs. Innings double downs had 83, generals had 68.2. So that's 14.1 extra innings that the double downs had. So that's a that's a pretty good advantage in, in both those categories. And again, it probably reflects a little bit on the scores. Looking at the number of innings and the strikeouts, double downs had 83 innings and 82 Ks. Again, that's about break even. You don't really want to be going much under that. And the generals had 68.2 innings with 64 K. So a little bit down. So it's Again, I would be looking at that as that as um, not a good sign for your your pitching. For the categories overall, uh, Boston Double Downs pretty much did what he normally does, pretty consistent with all the categories except for ERA, ERA and WHIP, where he was uh, a little bit down in. The generals were kind of up and down in a couple categories: runs, strikeouts, and WHIP. And so runs. K's, whip, and saves, he was higher in than normal. And uh, stolen bases, he was lower than in normal. Looking at their rosters, uh, we'll look at the double downs roster. Kirk, the catcher, had a batting average of 400. Home run, one home run, four RBIs, and two runs. Bryant, 269, one RBI, three runs, and a stolen base. Again, nothing special there. Raphael Devers, his batting average was low, 222. Aguilera, pretty much didn't really do a whole lot for you. Batting average, 231. No home runs, two RBIs and one run. Gallo's batting average was atrocious, 0.048 batting average. Haas's batting average was low at 217. De La Cruz's batting average was low at 182. So... Again, that kind of explains why your batting average was uh, on the lower side for the double downs. Nobody from an offensive standpoint really outshined. I mean, again, pretty much everybody else was pretty much average. From his pitching standpoint, Robbie Ray had a great outing. Got 13 innings, 20 Ks, 1.3 ERA, 0.65 whip, two wins. But most of his other starting pitchers beyond that were, were fairly down. McGee, three innings, two Ks, six RA, six ERA, two whip. Gobber, 4.1 innings, two Ks, over eight ERA, over 2.3 whip. Pavetta, five innings, six Ks, ERA, 7.2 ERA, 2.2 whip. Gutierrez, 3.1 innings, 3, 1K. 
8.1 ERA, 1.5 whip. Thompson, 1.2 innings, 3Ks, 16 ERA, 3.6 whip. Gibson, 5.1 innings, 4Ks, 13 ERA, 1.8 whip. Christian Javier, an inning, 36 ERA, 4 whip. So that's going to hurt when you have that many pitchers not doing well for you. For the Generals, Simmons really didn't do a whole lot for your offense. No runs, no RBIs, .167 batting average. Bichette and Brad Miller, both were really good. Uh, Miller, 400 batting average, two home runs, three RBIs, three runs. Bichette, .455 batting average, no home runs, two RBIs, eight runs, a stolen base. The one here that is going to kind of be an interesting is Lorenzo Cain. You had him in your lineup, and he didn't do a whole lot when he was in your lineup. He only hit 222 with one RBI and one run. The problem is you had him on your bench, and on your bench he was 5.71 batting average, two home runs, five RBIs, and two stolen bases. Now, if there was a, if there was a way to get him into your lineup with that those extra stats... I think you would have actually won because you would have taken home runs uh, with the with the uh, by one, and you probably would have. I think you would have taken home runs, and you would have tied in stolen bases. From a pitching standpoint, uh, you had uh, Archie Bradley kind of hurting with the ERA of over seven and a WHIP of one point three. Again, I'm not real sure why he's still rostered. It's not really even a closer anymore. Daniel Hudson, again, same thing. I'm not sure why he's still rostered. He had an ERA of 9 or over 9 and a whip of 1.9. Pagan, 3.1 innings, 4Ks, over 8 ERA, 0.9 whip. Uh, J.A. Happ, 1 inning, 63 ERA, 10 whip. So those guys uh, definitely hurt your pitching side. So maybe a little missed opportunity there by the uh, Gotham City Generals, but, but who knows. Okay, so moving on to the next matchup. We had the Kiel Devil Hills Elevation facing the Crawford Cramps. And in this one I had predicted that the Cramps would win 8-2 over the Elevation, which um, they actually did win 8-2. The two categories I thought the Elevation would take would be Ks and Wins. Uh, he did take the Ks. But he took saves, which is a little surprising, um, and then not not the wins category. Looking at their uh, at-bats and innings, the Cramps had 297 at-bats. The Elevation had 283 at-bats, so it's a 14-bat advantage for Cramps. Um, and innings, and we all knew that this was going to happen. Elevation had 92.1 innings, and the Cramps had 69 innings, which gives him a 23.1 advantage. With those innings, 61 innings for the cramps. He has 69 strikeouts, so that's trending high. Elevation had 92.1 innings and had 87 strikeouts, and that would be just trending down. Also, you know, we I think we thought uh, Ort was going to have 21 starts, and with those 21 starts to only get uh, 92 innings and only getting 
uh, 87Ks, I would have thought those would have been a lot higher than what they were. And also only getting one win out of all those starts is a kind of a sign of how bad the pitching staff really is. From a category standpoint, Ort's team was kind of up and down uh, with where he was trending. Batting average, he was down. Home runs, he was up. Runs, he was up. Ks, he was up. Wins, he was down. Saves, he was up. And the Crawford cramps were up in home runs, RBIs, and runs, and stolen bases. Uh, you might even set a record there with number of home runs. And on the pitching side, he was down, though, in Ks, ERA, and WHIP. And I know we've talked about um, the last week of the regular season where the Crawford, where these two guys matched up before, and the Cramps offense was down, which kind of might have been a good thing because they definitely showed up for the, for the first week of the playoffs. Looking over Ord's team from a positional standpoint, he had uh, Dalton Varshow is catching. Again, I don't know why Varshow is still owned. I don't think he's going to be any fantasy relevance. He, he produced nothing for your for your offensive side. Patrick Wisdom's uh, batting average was .091. Uh, the shortstop from Texas, uh, Kenner Falafar, whatever, uh, 182 batting average. Jock Peterson, .091 batting average. Anthony Santana, who's having an off year, his batting average was 1.150. Again, not really a whole lot of production from any of those guys. A couple interesting ones, uh, this Frank, I think it's Frank Swindell. Batting average of 462, five home runs, 12 RBIs, seven runs. It's very impressive. He was probably the, the most impressive guy on your team right there. And actually, I haven't really heard much of that guy before, so I'm going to have to do some more research on him. From the pitching side, again, with all those starts, he should have had a lot better pitching performance. But uh, I think he got hurt. You're, I think your your two closers, uh, Colomay and Esvez, uh, did fine, uh, but pretty much everybody beyond that really didn't do a whole lot of good. Uh, Zach Davies, 0.1 innings. He had an ERA over 7 and a whip over 2. Irwin had 7 innings, ERA over 12, whip over 2.5. Jacks, 4.2 innings, 3Ks, ERA over 7, whip 1.5. Kluber, 7.2 innings, had 11K, so that's good. ERA over 8, whip 1.8. Daniel Lynch, 2.2 innings, 20 ERA, 3 whip. Brubaker, 3 innings, 9 ERA, 2 whip. Freeland, 1 inning, 9 ERA, 2 whip. So, again, I, I think I think it's time, and I, I know Ort has talked about it. Uh, one of his shows with the other podcast, the Inside Guys, talking about his pitching strategy. Again, I think it would work if you had better pitching where you kind of dominate wins and Ks, but you can't do it with uh, these bad pitchers. So it might be time to to look at a different pitching strategy or if you're going to keep the same pitching strategy, I think you need to really upgrade your pitching staff and get get rid of a lot of these guys who are hurting you more than they're helping. Again, if, you, if the innings that they pitch, you're not getting the strikeouts out of them and they're just destroying your ERA and whip, I don't think it's worth it. Um, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. 
on the on the cramp side again pretty much everybody uh especially from an offensive standpoint uh produced quite a bit a few low batting averages uh yadier molina 0.118 batting average and i'm sure this is i'm not sure if this is his last year or next year's is last year but it's probably time to move on from molina freddie freeman only had a 200 batting average Benintendi batting average is one one sixty seven. Otani uh, surprisingly had a low batting average of one sixty seven, but at least he contributed with home runs, RBIs, and he had three stolen bases. Um, so that's the good there. His pitching staff also uh, was not the greatest this week. Dylan Cease five innings. He had nine Ks, which is good. ERA over five with one point four. Gray. Seven innings, six Ks, fifteen over fifteen ERA, two point five WHIP. Talion four point two innings, ERA over eleven, one point five WHIP. Not sure what's happening with Alex Reyes. I know he had him as his closer, and then I don't know if he's got, got been taken out of that role. Um, his ERA was a little bit high at four point five, but uh, be interesting to see what he what his role is going to be next year. Another good thing from both these teams, not nothing really, didn't really leave anything on the bench. Uh, they were able to play most of their, all their players, and so there's really nothing outstanding from the bench um, from that standpoint. Okay, now moving on to our last game of round one, where we have the Moncton Mounties taking on the Malibu Bay Beers. This is our one upset that uh, most people probably saw as an upset. Um, I had predicted that the Beers were going to win this one. 7-3 with the Mounties taking home runs, RBIs, and saves, which they did take all those, uh, but they also ended up taking the batting average and the runs category as well. And, uh, of course, with the 5-5 tie, the person who owns the non-counting categories is usually the loser. And so that just brings up one point. I'll just touch on it just real quick. I know I'm not really a member of the league, but this might be a topic you guys could discuss in the winter meetings is the tiebreaker categories. Just again, I'm just throwing it out there. I always kind of would prefer that the tiebreaker would go to the team with the highest seed, which means that the lower seed team would actually have to beat higher team seed, which again, kind of, kind of gives the advantage to the team that does well in the, in the regular season of, you know, hey, we reward you for your your good season. You'll have a an advantage in the ties because that means the lower team seed actually has to beat you and not necessarily tie you and then drop uh, some categories to see who actually wins. Again, just throwing it out there for you guys to think about. Okay, let's look at the, the at-bats and the innings. Beers had 298 at-bats. Mounties had 283, so that's a 15 bat advantage to the Beers. Beers also had 56 innings. Mounties only had 38.2 innings, so that's a 17.1 advantage to the Beers also. Now, with that advantage, I think the Mounties outperform themselves typically, especially on the hitting side. Their batting average, home runs, RBIs, and runs were above their normal weekly averages. K's ERA, whip, and wins, of course, were lower, and saves were much higher for the beers. 
the home runs, RBIs, and runs were higher than their normal averages, and Ks and ERA were lower, but uh, they didn't necessarily need that uh, to take these to take any of the pitching categories from the Mounties. Actually, let me go back here real quick. Uh, from innings, the Mounties had 38.2 innings. They only had 27 Ks. Again, that's just a sign that they're not getting very good mileage out of their innings. Beers had 56 innings and 49 Ks. Again, also a little bit lower. So I think both those guys need to look at who their pitchers, starting pitchers are because they need to be getting more Ks than they are innings out of those pitchers. From an offensive standpoint for the Mounties, Again, almost everybody performed really well on his side. Patel Marte actually finally showed up to play a few games. He had two home runs, six RBIs, and five runs. Kyle Farmer also had two home runs, four RBIs, three runs. Javi Baez, two home runs, three RBIs, six runs, and a stolen base. Muncy's batting average was bad at 208, but he actually had two home runs, two RBIs, two runs. Canahan was uh, probably uh, the... The biggest performer, four home runs, nine RBIs, seven runs. A couple guys who didn't do anything for your uh, roster, Mankata. Again, no, I don't think he had any RBIs or any runs. His batting average was 188. And Michael Brantley had a low batting average of 283 and only two runs, no RBIs. Also, he didn't have a catcher going for him, so he wasn't getting any stats out of his catcher spot. Me personally, I, I don't really actually m- don't mind this, not having a catcher. Uh, sometimes I think the catcher position hurts you more than the than having one. And I would rather just have one catcher on my roster and not have multiple catchers to uh, to fill in when something like that happens. From your pitching standpoint, you're you were saved by your relief pitchers. All your relief pitchers did really well. Of course, they got you multiple saves, multiple innings, multiple Ks, low ERA and low whip almost out of everyone. Uh, your starting pitchers are what killed you. Keuchel, three innings, 15 ERA, three whip. Miley, four innings, only two Ks, 11 ERA, 3.2 whip. Cueto, 3.2 innings, over a 14 ERA, over a 3.2 whip. Good thing you didn't play. Any ever since he got traded to the Yankees, he can't uh, pitch anymore either. Uh, but he only pitched 2.1 innings. He had a 23 ERA and a three whip. But again, he didn't pitch him, so that was a good move. And again, I think you understand, Stephen, that uh, your weak spot right now is your starting pitching. So it'll be interesting to see in the off season how you address that. Of course, you do have three guys on your IL who should help out next year. Um, and see how those guys perform. But uh, you might want to figure out a way to address that starting pitching roster. From the beer standpoint, again, there was a, really wasn't a whole lot you could do here, Chris. I mean, you pretty much played the way you normally play. I think you just got outproduced on the offensive side with the Mounties having a really good week from their offensive standpoint. A few guys hurt your batting average. Simmons, Betts, Seager, Jimenez, and Chris Taylor all really hurt your batting average. Simmons was two two seventeen, Betts was one eighty two, Seeger was one sixty, Jimenez is one eighty eight, Chris Taylor was .05. So those guys really hurt you. And also, I was kind of watching that last. I think most of us were watching the last game of uh, Sunday night there with the Dodgers, and you had multiple opportunities with Will Smith, Mookie Betts, 
and Chris Taylor to push a couple of these categories over where, you know, especially in the RBI, they had plenty of opportunity to do it. They just, they fell through for you. Um, and speaking of that, there's one guy on your bench, Suarez. You know, again, I know he's had a, a, an off year, but he actually had a batting average of 444, two home runs, and three RBIs. If you could have found a way to get him into your roster, those three RBIs would have also pushed you over the top and given you the win. From a pitching standpoint, you had a, a bow downing from Darvish. He only had 2.2 innings, uh, 16 ERA, 3.375 whip. And really, from the most part, everybody else besides that uh, wasn't too bad. So a little bit of bad luck for you, Chris, running into Steven at that, uh, for that particular week. But, but what can you do? All right, so that wraps up uh, round one. Let's uh, move on to round two, where we have the Boston Double Downs taking on the Rockland Rockets. I had predicted that the Rockland Rockets would win this matchup 7-3 with the Double Downs taking RBIs, Ks, and wins. I missed on all three of those. Uh, The Boston Double Downs were only able to take batting average. Looking at the at-bats, the Rockland Rockets had 328. At-bats, and the double-downs had 284, so that's 44 at-bat difference advantage to the Rockets. Uh, That's a pretty big at-bat advantage. For the innings pitch, we had 69.1 innings for the Rockets, 67.1 innings for the double-downs. That was just a two-inning separation, so not much of an advantage there at all. So let's look at how many uh, Ks they got out of those innings. Uh, the 69.1 innings, uh, Rockland Rockets has 73 Ks, so that's on the upward trend. Of the 67.1 innings, the Boston Double Downs has 70 Ks, so I saw a good trend there on the upward trend. Looking at what their categories were and what they're averaging, Double Downs kind of had an off week, besides batting average being a little bit higher than normal. Home runs, RBIs, Ks, ERA, and WHIP. And wins were all lower than uh, their normal averages. And the Rockland Rockets were down just in RBI, a little bit higher in stolen bases, ERA, and whip. But uh, for the most part, again, pretty consistent across all those categories for the Rockland Rockets, which is a common theme for the Rockland Rockets. Uh, the, the consistency in all the categories makes it very tough to beat him. Looking at the Boston Double Downs roster, it's like the catcher Kirk. Had a pretty good outing for you. Batting average 278, three home runs, four RBIs, four runs. Dominic Smith uh, did absolutely nothing for you. 0 for 8. Brendan Rodgers had uh, one R- one run, no RBIs. So that was down. Ty France's batting average was 182. That was down. Gallo's batting average, a little bit better than last week, but still down at uh, 133 batting average. Grossman did really well for you. 360 batting average, two home runs, four RBIs, six runs, and a stolen base. Also, De La Cruz did well for you. 381 home run, three RBIs, three runs. On the pitching side, uh, we know that uh, your starting pitchers pretty much blew up for you uh, early on. Yarborough ERA was over 31. His whip was over five. Only pitched two innings. Jeffries had a ERA over 5.4, whip just under 1. Ott had 3.1 innings, ERA over 21, uh, whip 2.7. 
Garcia, five innings, three Ks, ERA over seven, whip 1.8. Gibson, 4.2 innings, ERA over five, whip over two. Ray, uh, ERA over six, whip over 2.3. Rodriguez, ERA over 14, whip over two. Valdez, ERA over seven and whip over 2.2. So again, it was, it was pretty, pretty early on that uh, your pitching kind of blew up for you. Kind of took you out of the running there at the beginning. This one was uh, pretty much closed out early on. For the Rockets side, again, pretty consistent with all of his players. Uh, Paul Goldsmith only had two runs, no RBIs. Rosario well, only batted 100, so two for 20. Uh, nothing, not a lot of output out of there. Cedric Mullins had a really good week. Three home runs, three RBI, seven runs, two stolen bases. Datton had a home run, three RBIs. And his pitching did what his pitching should be doing. So uh, nothing outstanding, uh, just pretty consistent across the board. Okay, let's move on to the Mounties and the Cramps matchup, where I had predicted that the Cramps would win this one 9-1, and the Mounties always t- only taking saves. Um, he did take saves, but he also took stolen bases, ERA, and whip. From an at-bat standpoint, the Cramps had 306 at-bats to the Mounties, 274. That's a 32 at-bat advantage to the Cramps. Innings pitch, Cramps had 65 innings. Mounties only had 37.2 innings. That's a 27-inning advantage to the Cramps. So both those uh, having an advantage in both at-bats and innings like that, uh, the Cramps should have easily won this, which they, for the most part, looks like they did. Out of those innings, out of the 37.2 innings that the Mounties had, he had 44K, so that's good. And that the Cramps had 65 innings, but they only had 58K, so not getting as many Ks out of those innings that you should be getting. From a category standpoint, the Mounties were above average in home runs, stolen bases, and saves, a below average in K's, ERA, and wins. Cramps were above average in average home runs, RBIs, runs, uh, and wins, and by below average in their K's, ERA, and whip. So, again, it's just the consistency. And then uh, I also just want to kind of point out that the Cramps, the last two weeks' playoffs have been, from their offensive standpoint, have been above average from what they've been doing. I'd be a little bit worried going into the last week of the playoffs, two weeks of them outperforming what they normally do. You know, again, can they do it one more week or now you're going to be looking for a a down week in those categories. So we'll see when that final matchup shows up. From a player standpoint, uh, the Mounties uh, roster, Carlos Santana did absolutely nothing for you. Um, His batting average was .08, just one RBI. Jose Ramirez's batting average was 143. Cattell Marte's batting average was 111. Michael Brantley only had one run, no RBIs. A couple good outings from uh, Javi Baez. He hit 444, two home runs, five RBIs, eight runs, three stolen bases. Harper, 409 batting average, five home runs, eight RBIs, six runs. From a pitching standpoint, again, really on your pitching side right now, it's your closers that are uh, carrying your team. Uh, they all did outstanding 
from their standpoint, got you the innings that you needed and all your saves, kept your ERA and whip somewhat low. You only had one good outing, I think, from one starting pitcher, which is Wade Miley. He had seven innings, eight Ks, 1.2 RA, and a .7 whip and a win. All the other starting pitchers really didn't do anything for you. Um, so that's a little scary that Wade Miley is your best starting pitcher for that week. On the cramp side, again, everybody, for the most part, on the offensive side, had a really good week. Uh, the catcher, Contreras, had a bad batting average of 167. Albies had a bad batting average of 192. Arenado had a bad batting average of 190. Mondesi, a uh, really bad batting average of .053. Guerrero had a great week. Batting average is 333. Five home runs, five RBIs, nine runs. Benatendi had a great week. 500 batting average. Three home runs, 14 RBIs. Four runs. Uh, Juan Soto had a great week. 480 batting average, a home run, four RBIs, seven runs, and a stolen base. From a pitching standpoint, again, most of your pitchers, starting pitchers, again, kind of were, were about average, nothing too special. A little surprising that Otani had a, a, a bad outing. He only went 3.1 innings, um, only 1K, ERA over 16, and a whip over 2.7. Uh, but other than that, Pitching was pretty consistent with what your pitching normally was. So that wraps it up kind of for round two. Going into round three for the championship game, we're going to have the Rockland Rockets and the Crawford Cramps, which is good to see. These are the two best teams all year. So it's nice to see that match up, and let's see if it comes down to the wire like we are all predicting. So this matchup a few weeks ago, I had predicted that the Rockland Rockets would eke this one out 5-4-1 coming down to the last few games of the night, barely edging out the cramps. But it actually was not as close as what we all were thinking. Uh, this one was fairly over early on. There might, There's a little bit of hope there towards the end that the cramps might have been able to come back, but the Rockets were just too consistent and too dominant every night to give them any opportunity to come back in. For the at-bats, the cramps had 302 at-bats, where the Rockets had 340 at-bats. That's a 38 at-bat advantage to the Rockets. And uh, and for innings pitched, Cramps had 50 innings with 51 Ks. Again, about break-even. And where the Rockets had 55 innings and 62 Ks. So a lot better uh, usage out of his starting pitchers than what the Cramps had. Coming down to the categories, the Cramps were able to take three categories. They took the batting average the wins, and the ERA. They were actually trending higher in the average, which was the only category that they were trending higher in. They were trending lower in home runs, RBIs, runs, Ks, and saves. And I kind of mentioned this maybe in round one or round two, preview of the cramps. You know, coming into the playoffs, he had two down weeks on his offensive side. And then round one and round two, he really outperformed on his offensive side. And that would be a little bit concerning for me uh, with being an up and down, knowing that could I get one more solid week out of my offense or were they going to do for a bad performance? And, and unfortunately, he got hit with the bad performance for the week. And looking at the Rockets categories, again, and, and this is the overall theme with the Rockets, and this is why he's probably one of the better teams or is one of the better teams out there and why he was uh, so hard to beat this year. 
is that it's just very consistent across all the categories, week in, week out. There's usually not a whole lot of flux. It's always same numbers putting up every week. He was trending a little bit high in runs this week, uh, real high in stolen bases, which I think set a record. A little bit off on the Ks, a little bit off on the wins, and a little bit off in the RA. But again, for the most part, every category is the same numbers week in, week out. And I think, again, that plays into why uh, the Rockland Rockets ended up winning this uh, matchup is just because the consistency. If the if the cramps were able to pull off what they did the previous two weeks and keep that momentum going, uh, they probably would have had a really good chance of winning it. But again, it's just that inconsistency of some weeks up, sometimes some weeks down, and I think that's where it really comes down to is just which team was more consistent, and that is the Rockland Rockets. Looking at the lineup and who might have done well and who who might have hurt you uh, for the cramps. Uh, Cacheras did really well. Two home runs, four RBIs, five runs, a stolen base. Freddie Freeman really didn't help out very well. Only one RBI and two runs. Albies, horrible batting average, 190. No runs, no stolen, or no runs, no RBIs. Uh, Tatis did well. A home run, three RBIs, three runs. Again, just not what the, but not a super output like he normally would. Uh, Vlad Guerrero, two home runs, three RBIs, six runs. Again, nothing nothing bad really from any of your offensive guys. Just weren't as putting up as big numbers that they were the previous two weeks. From a pitching standpoint, he had a bad outing from uh, Marquez. He had four innings, only 1K, 13.5 ERA, 2.5 whip. Again, really nothing nothing bad even from the pitching standpoint. Just not a, a great performance, just a very average performance. And again, from Mike's side, Rockland Rockets, everybody was contributing. Let me see if I find anybody who, who didn't do. Josh Donaldson had a bad batting average of 167, but still had two home runs, three RBIs, and four runs. Chisholm, batting average is 150. No RBIs, three runs, had a stolen base. And everybody else was, again, very consistent. And again, pitching side also, just, just very consistent pitching. So that pretty much wraps up the BDL with uh, Rockland Rockets winning back-to-back titles. And also, this is his third championship uh, in the league. So congratulations to Mike of the Rockland Rockets. Um, and again, I think a lesson here for everybody, or at least something to look at for everybody else, it's just look at his team construction and see how he has no holes. All that he's outputting consistently in every category, and that's what everybody should be wanting to do. To have that kind of consistency throughout your team, and if you do, you too might be able to win a championship. So that pretty much wraps it up for me, guys. Again, congratulations to Mike. Great year, Brian, for for your season and everybody else that had a, a really good year. So thanks for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.